0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 134 of the In Squash podcast and today we have reigning Scottish national champion current world number 39 Alan Klein and uh, we have a really uh, really great chat and we cover a lot of ground. Um, Now first of all before I continue on with this I hope you're all safe healthy uh, under the circumstances. Uh, I know we're keeping up the good fight here in the squash community. And, uh, you know, it's great to see so many of the players and so many coaches and everyone, all the enthusiasts out there posting uh, different things about how they're managing to keep uh, squash in their life. Uh, You know, I'm doing it here through the podcast also, you know, doing quite a bit of uh, my own circuit training and a little bit of training getting the racket in the hand a little bit not that much but uh definitely uh staying in staying isolated and uh keeping up the good fight here uh during these difficult times and uh, we hope uh we'll see how things play out but hopefully we'll get to see the tour uh back out uh when it when uh, when it's ready to go uh, we had uh, some squash last Saturday. Obviously, uh, Jonathan Power and Diego Elias entertained us, and it was very entertaining. And uh, we'll get into a little, get into that a little bit later. Actually, uh, Alan and I talk about that on the podcast today, and uh, we also talk about his. Uh, Amazing career, 10-time Scottish national champion. Uh, We go back to the early days when he won his first and uh, talk about the most recent, 150 Scottish caps. is something else there, quite an achievement, and we talk about the first one. Uh, We look way back, and of course, you don't forget uh, those. That's a monumental... achievement for him 150 and the first one would have been just as big as the 150th obviously uh uh, alan's in scotland right now with his wife olivia who's been on the podcast twice and uh, we talk about uh what they're doing and uh, how they are managing under these circumstances and uh, so much more also uh, of course uh, his 2019 season by the way got off to a fantastic uh, start uh some really good results there and uh we discuss how that played out and uh how the rest of the season played out and little injury that he's uh that he suffered on the way and now he's got a little bit of time to uh uh, deal with that so really enjoyed chatting with alan klein here on episode 134 of the in squash podcast um thanks a lot for doing this uh sir
1: no problems <laughs> fun yeah
0: yeah yeah well i've had uh your better half on a couple of times so uh i know she's, yeah.
1: uh, i've actually listened to it yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well um anyways i hope you guys are uh are safe and uh, and healthy it sounds uh sounds like things are. Fairly okay over there in Scotland. Yeah,
1: yeah, we've both been in been in Scotland for a little uh, while now. Yeah, since March, she came after she played the tournament in Egypt at Blackball uh, and came to Scotland. And yeah, we've been <laughs> stuck up here uh, since then. But uh, no, it's been actually quite nice to we're allowed to get out uh, once a day, and we've been making most of that keeping our distance from everyone but it's been uh, nice
0: weather so again yeah. Yeah, yeah well i guess that's the thing uh, if you're in scotland there could be uh worse places to be this time of year i mean the weather must be fairly nice there and uh, scotland's always sort of known for its uh, fresh air and lovely uh, landscape
1: yeah it's funny that they uh, this is the time where they're telling us to stay indoors and suddenly scotland's become <laughs> become really nice and everyone wants to be <laughs> wants to be outdoors, it's funny how uh, that way works, but uh, yeah, I think Scotland gets a bad rap sometimes, but, uh it's rainy all the time, but it's actually been uh, been very nice. I come back in from, from a walk just then, and uh, it was really good. It looks like,
0: the, the, um, you're on uh, video here, uh, Alan, so it, lo- it looks like the beard's grown in a, li- a little bit more than than uh, normal. Is that, uh, are you trying to, gr- is it just uh, laziness with the, the self-isolation, uh, or?
1: Uh... <laughs> No, I've been, uh, I've been working on it for a while, basically, uh, since we got married uh, a year past July, I uh, was clean shaving for that, and then kind of since then I've been growing it, and uh, yeah, I've been working on it ever since. It's finally that I'm uh, able to grow one, I think, uh, <laughs> before <laughs> okay. I turned 30 there was uh, no chance of me being able to grow one, and now I can, I'm trying to make the most of it, and uh, yeah, I guess when, it, when you're not going outside so much, then uh, you don't have any need to, but no, I'm getting, growing to quite like it, actually.
0: Yeah, I've tried. I went about six days there, and uh, it started to sort of fill in. It doesn't take me two days; it it starts to fill in for me. But uh, I uh, just—it was annoying. I couldn't—I couldn't handle it. You know, you know how irritated is. I guess it's the same for you. You just have to get through that uh, sort of period of the two to three week uh, irritating itch that you get. You know.
1: Exactly. The initial phase, then it becomes a bit more soft and uh, you can use it. And uh, actually it's come in handy having like the beard trimmer that can uh, multitask as the hair clippers. Cause then I've managed to teach Olivia how to, uh, to do the hair as well. Otherwise Ooh. that would have been totally out of control.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, my, my wife cuts, uh, cuts my hair, but I did one of the, um, and she does a really good job of it by the way, I should say, just in case she's listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but she, um, uh, just last week I did the, the, uh, the self haircut uh, last okay. week with people are talking about, and that was uh, a bit of a failure. <laughs> it took, it took a couple of chunks out of the back of my head and it's quite noticeable uh, back there. Yeah, so not, uh, not. I'm, I'm going to have to uh, give it another go and see if I can improve on that one. But, uh, how's Olivia, um, liking it up there under the, under these circumstances? I'm sure she's obviously, she's spent a lot of time in Scotland, but, uh, uh, have you ever spent uh this much time uh in succession uh, there
1: no I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said so we, we did have a, a spell where we were in scotland and training um for a bit but uh probably not this this length of time um, she actually loves scotland and she's always she? talks about, mm-hmm. yeah being here and like we've gone
0: some she's a big, big city girl and I'm, I'm surprised
1: yeah, exactly. I'm trying to <laughs> change her a little bit. <laughs> no, she uh, she does always talk about how she loves Scotland and when she's here. So, no, we've been, uh, I mean, I think everyone was, when the lockdown took place, it was kind of everyone was feeling a bit trapped and uh, wanting to uh, get out and do what they wanted to do. But um, I think we've come to the stage now where we're quite enjoying like doing different things and trying to keep our focus uh on little tasks and trying to not just think about um oh I wish I was on a squash court mm. uh, and it's more what can I do what can I improve on whether that's improve on my game here or whether it's improve just general things around the house I know the first couple of weeks when it started my, uh, I really concentrated on cleaning and I think I would been it, let that let <laughs> that lapse is,
0: is that is that a norm for you I mean I I have the few I have a couple of chores that are my go to uh Chores. I mean, uh, uh, as the man of the house, I tend to uh, sort of take on the bathroom, I guess. Uh, I'll take that on. And uh, (laughs) vacuuming is, uh, I don't mind vacuuming. Actually, I use it as a little bit of a warm-up before I I might do some running or something. Um, (laughs) uh, But one thing I can't stand, uh, and maybe you're not with me on this one, but I just can't stand ironing, man.
1: Ironing, now no. oh, give, give that one a mess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I the same. But I managed to get the our little flat here uh, pretty clean in those first two weeks. So that was my main task then. And then we've been working on other things since then. But now we're uh, we're getting getting used to. It. Obviously, we want to get back on the squash court and get back on again, yes. like everyone. But uh, now I think we're uh, we're in a good frame of mind at the moment.
0: Speaking of uh, getting back on the squash court, I don't know if you if you saw the uh, Diego and Jonathan Power match the other night.
1: I didn't watch it all, but I actually did. Uh, I got some message saying it was on, and I clipped it on when it was probably maybe the fourth game. And I was like, yeah. what, "How is that ball going so fast?" And then uh, I figured <laughs> out it was a hard ball, and I was like, "Wow, this is a bit crazy." But yeah, it was a bit of fun. And- that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know if you know. Uh, obviously, you know Graham, but uh, I don't know if you know Dean Brown. At all, but he 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 was one of the one of the top players uh, when I was in juniors. He was a junior, and uh, but he he was also known as one of the funniest guys around. And uh, he was one he, of the commentators,
1: really, oh, commentator was he? Yeah, yeah. The
0: the the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, other yeah, no. Not, like, Graham's obviously very funny, but uh, Dean very funny guy as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they they both did a really good job of uh, handling actually, that. It and and right Jonathan there. had uh, a bit of entertainment value uh, with his outfit and his. Uh, <laughs>
1: I think everyone's missing any oh kind my. of sport at the moment, so to try and get any kind of live sport on it, it uh, yeah, oh, a, for, for
0: sure, it's got to be one of the first, uh, yeah, first live sports that I've seen since this all came down. Really,
1: exactly. I've been uh, trying to find like marble racing and anything <laughs> virtual, <laughs> virtual horse racing, and yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just nothing on it at the moment. It's uh, you're trying to find other things to keep you
0: occupied. Yeah, I've been um, I've been watching a bit of uh, I play a bit of golf when I'm not playing squash, and I've been watching all the because I'm not playing. I'm going to start playing again soon. I think it's safe soon, but uh, I've been watching all the final rounds of all the the big major championships. So rare and I guess I mean that's all we can and and the same for squash watching all those those old uh, and I think squash TV is doing a good job of sharing their uh, their library with us lately, so okay. which has been good definitely. Yeah. So uh, now you you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but everyone's got their own workout routine and stuff going on. Now we see it uh, on you know YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Amanda we had one the other day. Nick Matthew, uh, Lawrence Angima had one that I there's no way I was going to try that one. It, 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 it was, he's just you know, too I fast for to me. I yeah. uh, you, you, you might enjoy that one, but uh, <laughs> I've been following the, uh, the Nick Matthew uh, at home circuit training series that he's got going. I did one the other day. Uh, what about you? And uh, I mean, yourself, I mean, you're, you're a guy who's got uh, notorious for his, the ticker and uh, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to, how, or how, how do you kind of, how are you going to manage keeping it where it where you want it to be under these circumstances?
1: It's kind of interesting because um, I actually i am um, kind of injured at the moment. So like Ooh. in the middle of February, I uh, picked up uh, a rib injury and it was like, it felt like a bit of a bruised rib uh, and I was playing through it and I played until uh, I played the national championships in the middle of March. And then two days after I got an MRI and I found that I got a stress fracture in my rib, oh. um, which is actually quite, quite a serious injury that, um, I needs to be rested so I'm like five weeks post getting the MRI now and they say the first couple of weeks I wasn't able to do anything at all my uh, physio and doctor was saying I was forbidden from doing anything and then
0: so how'd pick. you manage that I mean you're probably like, what you doing you're probably doing crunches or something right <laughs>
1: well that's the worst oh, thing oh yeah,
0: yeah yeah no, yeah that's a rib yeah
1: yeah no, so <laughs> I had to be I had to be very careful yeah that was pretty tough being able to do, not doing anything but we um mm we bought a spin bike like basically a couple of days before the whole thing locked down and the spin bikes were out of stock basically a couple of days later when I when I looked but uh, we got a spin bike in and now I'm able to do uh, 30 minutes on the bike uh, and I'm able to do some planks just to try and build up the area now it's kind okay. of not hurting as much but it's it's a slow process to actually get back so I mean even if there was tournaments on I might not have been able to play them anyway probably oh. not so uh Actually, I'm trying to treat it as like a good thing because um, I think for this lockdown period, you can kind of treat it and you can be optimistic, pessimistic or kind of realistic on the thing. And I think if you're because so many people try and predict like how long it's going to last. And a lot of people are saying, well, it could be over a year, like until the world's not um, back and able to travel, then there's not going to be any tournaments. And then you've got other people who are like, well, it could be in August. I'm going to get a head start on everyone. And then. If that doesn't happen, then the hope goes and it's tough. And I'm just trying to be realistic on it now and know that it's gonna it might be a while and just try and make sure I'm fresh come the season coming in. So and I'm trying to think of this kind of injury as uh, it's a good thing for forcing me not to do anything. Cause I know that I definitely, I mean, probably still now, but definitely in my mid-20s, I would have been like, Brilliant, I can train as hard as I can, I can do as many burpees and many press ups as I can in this period and um I'm trying not to completely burn myself out. Just trying to, yeah, keep, uh, when the tournament, when the tour does come back, whenever that is, I'm trying not to predict when it's going to be. I'll be fresh and ready to really go at it and actually work on the stuff that I can work on, which is kind of watching a lot of my my matches. I'm quite enjoying that because I feel like Mm. maybe post-career I might want to try and do a bit of coaching. So I'm trying to really see different parts of my game and some other people's games and trying to, yeah, analyze that to maybe help me after I finish as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you must. Have, I mean, it must have been pretty for you to have played all the the tournament squash because you had a fairly full uh, schedule. Yeah, was twenty nineteen yeah. up until the the nationals, and uh, you played some good squash there early on. But it must have been was it painful uh, while you were playing, or just something? Yeah, that... there
1: was a there was a there was a bit of pain. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It just kind of felt like a bit of a bruised rib. But then uh, obviously the um, results came back and it was a bit bit worse than that, but no, like I was still able, I was still able to play, and uh, it was just a few movements that was kind of inhibiting me a little bit, but um, I was able to still play through. I just I was lucky it didn't do any more damage. to Be honest,
0: right? Yeah, well, you started 2019 pretty well, didn't you? You you came out of the gates and it was at NetSuite, right? And you beat uh, you beat two guy two excellent players, uh, Declan and uh, George Declan James and George Parker. So it was just, yeah. and then, then sort of towards the, the the as the season went on, the, the results weren't as uh, as as good as that. But I was just wondering, was, was it one of those things where, like you said earlier maybe, you trained extremely hard during the, uh, the summer uh, period, then you came out uh, guns uh, blazing, and then is it something that maybe, was it more of that? Or was it more maybe something you need to look at in your own game where you can try to sustain that uh, type of level? throughout the rest of the season
1: yeah I think even before NetSuite I played, uh, played a tournament in Houston in August and it was it was kind of in the, in the summer but I kind of treated it as like an aim to for my summer training to start the season off and I, I made the final of that tournament it was a 30k in Houston and I was playing uh, playing well and then carried that into uh, NetSuite and I was yeah really confident in in the way I was playing and then you know how squash is it's quite, quite uh, up and down there's still, I mean there's a lot of really tough players and if you get a couple of matches where they don't quite go your way I wouldn't say I, I had any terrible losses but they just the res, results that I'd kind of got at the start of the season they, they weren't uh, didn't carry through that can uh, dent your confidence a little bit and then it was just trying to, to bring it back I don't think I've been playing bad squash but it's just trying to uh, yeah get over those lines and those matches because I mean in these big events at the moment there's especially in the, the first rounds of these matches. Mm. You've got every player from basically seven, 17 to about 50. And uh, yeah. they're all very closely closely marked. And uh, the matches there are, uh, if you can win them, they can make a big difference. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those ones where they didn't quite go, go my way in that period. Um, but, yeah, you have to try and work on ways of <laughs> changing those results next time.
0: Yeah, for sure. But uh, I mean, I saw you a few of your matches this season, and uh, they were uh, usually the ones that were on uh, squash TV. There, so obviously they were uh, high-profile matches, and you looked like you were playing. You you played pretty well against some big-name, some good players. And uh, so, to me, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm going to talk to you about uh, Greg as well later on. I mean, Scotland uh, has done really well uh this year i mean uh like you met i think it was at the team championships didn't you guys reach seventh uh, maybe your highest ever uh result uh in the teams
1: yeah seventh yeah it was the highest my highest ever one i'm sure I think scotland have uh, i've been higher before when uh we had selects when, when pete nickel was playing in, yeah. in white martin heath um but yeah since since i've been playing world teams and I can't remember what number that was I know it got cancelled one time but I think it's maybe my fifth or sixth or something Um, then uh, yeah it was the highest we'd ever we'd ever finished we finished eighth uh, two years ago so yeah we had a good performance but then even in that we had we had a big win at the start over New Zealand and then had a good chance of making semis and that uh, didn't quite happen so seventh we just we obviously got to be happy with it but like us we're a pretty strong team now I and mean, we're we're even mm.
0: hoping for more yeah absolutely i mean you've got uh, yourself you've got uh greg loben uh rory is it rory stewart is that uh, rory um yeah. yeah and uh stewart um the Robert. fourth Yeah, you know, got the Stuart got Robert, all four yeah. of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. great great results great great result last year and absolutely. and promising i mean i mean you're the elder statesman obviously but you've got uh Greg, who's really come up well of late, and then uh, Rory's a talented player, isn't he? No, you said it right. Yeah,
1: Greg's been uh, been doing having some great results, especially shown with the last tournament before it kind of locked down at Canary Wharf. And uh, I mean, he's been having some good results even before that too. And uh, so he's, yeah, he's strong, strong player to have in those team events. Uh, very strong player. And then, yeah, Rory is, uh, he seems to raise his game in these kind of team events as well. I mean, I know personally how talented he is because I've like, been training with him for many years and I know what, what he's capable of and maybe his his ranking's not quite where he could be. I think he's got potential to get even higher. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's looking good for the Scottish team for uh, for the next few years, I would hope.
0: Now, you mentioned uh, just earlier um, Peter Nichol and Martin Heath in those years. So when you guys put on the uh, the Scottish colours, uh, when you look at the the history of, that you have with Peter and with Martin, and he, I guess John White even played uh, a couple of years for Scotland there, uh, what does that mean uh, to you guys? To to now sort of uh, seems like you're you're kind of back, maybe with a with a real look at uh, you know putting putting uh, some top player some players in the top uh, part of the game in the top part of the ranking now.
1: Yeah, I'd, um, we've Scotland has definitely had a tradition of uh, in squash of having a lot of good players even uh, before them there's like names who are from before my time the guys like Mark McLean and things like that who were, were top top players and uh, yeah we feel like we should have players up in in the top 20 top 10 trying to push challenging these uh, nations like Egypt I guess at the yeah. moment it was not it always been Egypt it has been likes of England and Pakistan and things like that so yeah it's good for us to get some of our players up and also on the women's side, uh, Lisa's been up in top 50 for a while and uh, behind her, we've got uh, Georgia's young and pushing on. So, yeah, I think it's it's looking good to try and uh, get Scotland back up on the map.
0: And who knows if this coronavirus uh, thing uh, plays out any longer. Libya uh, might be Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: if she gets trapped in the country too long, we'll uh, yeah. get <laughs> uh, residency and then... Uh, there we go. Yeah. I've yeah. been trying, but I'm not sure it's going
0: to work. No. Uh, well, the uh, not only with the world teams, but yourself, a uh, uh, Scottish uh, national champion 10 times. Did you ever envision uh, when you were coming up, when you were a junior, uh, did you ever say to yourself, yeah, yeah, 10, maybe 11, maybe 12? Or did you ever just think, yeah, I just want to play and see how it goes?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I don't think anyone would uh, kind of say, oh, I want to win that 10 times. I'm not sure even... Uh you're the best players like you like Federer and uh, Nadal would have when they were younger try vision those things but yeah, yeah I think a national title has been something that's uh very important to me like it was even when I was junior I remember that I hadn't won a national title until I was 18 I won the under 19s I didn't win any of the ones before that and mm. it was always like a goal for me to try and win it and I'd never quite got it and then for me to win the senior one was was a massive deal at the time and uh, yeah, and then I've always kind of had it as uh, an important event in my year, and uh, to manage to win it ten times is uh, it's very
0: special. Yeah, what was the uh, the first one like for you? Do you remember that? Um, Obviously, you do. You must. It must be sort of on yeah. the tip of your tongue.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, winning it because we at the time we had we had these things called selection events. So there was four of them during the year, and that was to go towards what the team was going to be for Europeans and playing from a country was always a big thing. So winning those events or trying to get points in those events qualified you for that. So you kind of got, you always played the players that were going to be in the the nationals. So I kind of got an indication there that uh, I had a good chance of winning. And I remember, uh, yeah, I think I beat Stuart Crawford in the final and uh, yeah, it was, it was a very proud moment for me winning uh, the national title then. And uh, the following year after that, I played, played him in the final and uh, he beat me. So uh, it wasn't. Right. Uh, it definitely wasn't ten in a row. I managed to win one, and then then I lost it, and then I had to had to regain it again. And I've also missed a couple because there was uh, there was a, some big PSA events on at the same time. So, yeah, it was it was a long time ago that I won my first one. I think it might have been 2007 or maybe six.
0: 2006, right? Yeah, that is a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, many moons ago. But uh, and you won your tenth uh, this year against the, the young upstart Rory. In the yeah. final yeah so how, how was it like I mean all, what did you get a, the feeling that maybe he was uh, a bit in awe of it all uh, at the time or was it um, you know, mm,
1: not really because you know? I know that he's uh, he's had events like in our Europeans last time when we uh, we played France he was playing uh, Baptiste Mazzotti who was uh, If he wasn't top 50, he was close to top 50 at the time. And uh, Victor Crohn and beat both of them Like wasn't uh, in all the occasion going on against those guys there. So I knew that it wouldn't really matter. He'd just go on and play his game and uh, could play some unbelievable squash. So I had to be on my toes. But uh, yeah, I managed to get on top of him in the first game, Like got a bit of a lead. And I think that was important. He's uh, he's really tough when he gets... uh, his tail up and he can uh, be so deceptive and very accurate and reads the game really well as well but uh, yeah thankfully I got on top of him early and managed to close out in three.
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah definitely I mean I've seen a few of your matches and and I guess sometimes I guess if you're playing a a shot a guy who's got a good shot and good hold uh, you, your movement is very good, and, and you you seem to get to a lot of a lot of balls and get them back with good length and good fundamental squash. So, I guess that's a sort of a remedy, uh, or sort of a you know something that that a shot player may not always uh, like to come up against a guy a guy with your skill set.
1: I think so. I think uh, yeah. I think if you have that retrieval ability and you uh, show that it's really tough to win the rallies, they're going to have to play. really tough shot they might go lower and lower on the tin then uh, yeah I can win you a few points but I also kind of learned to try and uh, use that speed to try and attack yeah oh definitely Uh, I I was just gonna
0: say I I saw there on uh, I think it was the Scottish podcast give them a shout out Scott pod Uh, they they posted (laughs) one of your (laughs) yeah uh, they posted one of your um, front court drops uh, okay. Backhand on the backhand, and, and basically saying the same thing that, that with that speed, this is what you get.
1: Yeah. yeah, you want to try try and use that to yeah get on the ball quick and uh, cut down your time for your opponent. Or even if you get the ball and on, get onto the ball quick and being able to use a hold from there, like at least you make your opponent move quickly, and then the hold becomes more effective. So, yeah, it's trying to trying to keep using that abil- that uh, movement and speed uh, to its best effect because if and once you get up in the levels, like get to the players in the top 20, if you're just retrieving, they're going to hit winners. They're so yeah. good with the, the racket that it uh, it doesn't phase them. They'll just, uh, they, they're, they're too accurate for that. So it's being able to use my abilities to try and uh, make them hurt or make them worry about what's coming next.
0: That's sort of, I mean, uh, at you know, the highest, the very highest level, that's kind of what, how the, the power nickel rivalry uh, sort of played out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for For the first few years, Jonathan sort of had a, you know his shot making was was a little bit di- sort of dictating the, the terms and then didn 't take long for peter to to add a few shots to his game and, and it just changed everything
1: yeah I think when you 've got that physical base then uh, if you uh, are able to make your opponent do the work, then uh, then that's where it comes into fruition. If you've just got that physical base and all you're using it is to pick it up, then eventually you'll, you'll get tired. But yeah, Peter Nicol was unbelievable at that, like putting in those drops and uh, yeah. he, he ensure you did as much work as him and then he knew that he had the confidence in his fitness.
0: That back when he, uh, there was that backhand, uh, sort of he hit a backhand cross court drop up in the front, like he, he'd get there very early, he'd hold it hold it nice and high, hold it for a few seconds, and then just cut it cross-court draw. And that, that I mean, that, that was something that came a little bit later, but it was really effective. Yeah,
1: no, uh, he was a, a great player. I remember when he, he actually came up to uh, Inverness where um, where I started playing squash, Inverness and Squash Club, and uh, he came up for, it was like an exhibition, and he helped uh, coach the juniors at the time, and I, I think I was maybe 13 or 14, and... Uh, yeah, I remember uh, how good he was there, and uh, the exhibition was uh, a lot of trick shots. And uh, I was like, <laughs> "This is definitely a fun squash." Oh yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I didn't mean to undermine the uh, the your shot, you know, your shot making ability, um, because that I mean that's some that's something that you know when you think of a, a guy who's got good speed, who's got good fitness, then a lot of people they auto automatically assume well, it's one dimensional, but it's not, is it?
1: Um, no, I think it's, but it's definitely, you, you have to work on different areas. It's probably one area where I'm trying, continuously trying to work on. And uh, even though I'm older now, I'm still trying to improve my game. And it's probably one mm-hmm. of the areas I'm trying to improve, being able to uh, finish those rallies when they come. But it's, Alan, like, Alan is, uh, is, it, is
0: it possible for me to uh, at 50 to uh, in, to improve absolutely.
1: my speed? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, you got, okay. If you're using those Nick Matthew workouts, then you'll be
0: in front of yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, definitely um uh, it, I mean you're you've you you want to keep working on your game, don't you? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still trying to uh trying to improve different parts. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like you if you don't not continuing to improve then you're probably you're going to go backwards and I don't for me, I, I enjoy the learning and trying to trying to be better. So uh, that's what I'm continually trying to do, and I definitely feel like I'm developing part of the games. But obviously, other players are developing them too. So it's it's hard. You have to try and yeah. I'm trying to just judge myself and me whether I'm improving as a person rather than where I'm in the rankings or if I've gone down two spots. It's obviously because okay. I've uh, got worse. It's just like trying to yeah.
0: It's kind it, of a tricky one now, isn't it? Because you're, I mean, being one of the elder statesmen, you're obviously you're going to be playing a lot of young up-and-coming guys coming through, and, and their games are based around this, you know, the lower 10, the 11-point scoring. Everything is kind of based on, on that, the way they grew up and, and the sort of the, the faster pace of play and all this stuff. So you're having to deal with uh, squash players who are sort of built for what for the way the game is played today, aren't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the game is the game is developing and changing, but I don't think it's, uh, it's totally changed. Obviously, there's like Egyptians at the top, and even the like you've got the like guys who are unbelievable shot makers, <laughs> like uh, Ahmed Hesham and Gawad. But then the guys who are at the, the very top. Um, Farag and uh, Shabagi, they still do the basics so mm. well. And uh, even guys like Paul Cole and Joel Macon kind of are coming through, they would also be associated with being physical attributes. They're like, basic yeah. game is really good, and they've still been able to get up there, not with only the power and shot making. So I think it's, it's finding, trying to find my style. I, I feel like I already know what my style is, but able to use that in the best way possible and that's still what i'm trying to do trying to make it make it better like improving those bits that um need improving but not completely changing my game i'll, I'll never be a player like a Abelgar or that i have to yeah. find the way i play and that's
0: what I'm to do. no no you're you're totally right 100 there i mean when you look at guys like uh, short Aggie and you know ali farag uh, paul cole joel joel make i mean they're they're very physical sort of i wouldn't say attritional but you know they they really do play a great fundamental game and you know a lot of their game is based uh on building building that and then i think towards the end of a game you might see like Sherbaggy go for his shots and things like yeah. that after he's more after he wears down his opponent
1: exactly no you're exactly right i've been uh, watching quite a bit of squash lately and uh, yeah you can kind of see that there uh, they, they make make your opponent do so much work. It's like Ali Farag is uh, dominates the middle a lot, and he's making him do less. He's doing less work than his opponent a lot of the time, and that's I guess that's the, one of the keys to squash.
0: Yeah. Now, one one thing I wanted to ask you, Alan, is uh, I noticed that uh, you you just uh, uh, got your 150th uh, cap for Scotland, yeah. and uh, I mean that that's amazing uh, in and of itself. But I wanted to you know. Not, not to just look at that, but I want to ask you, do you remember number one?
1: Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I played in. Tell uh, us about Canada. that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I managed, I remember getting selected for uh, the world team championships. That was my first one. I didn't get selected for the Europeans. It was the the world teams. There was a bit of a, a bit of a changing of the, the guard. Um, and yeah, we had, we still had John White playing. No, it was a four person team. We had John. He White, was on the team. Was he? Yeah, he was number that one. That must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I, I didn't. <laughs> I not know. I don't think I'd ever met him uh, before we we played. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, he's, he was so much fun. Uh, and then we had Harry Leach and Stuart Crawford were two and three. And I remember it was between myself and uh, Graham Melvin actually, who was a player in in the juniors and senior played for Scotland a lot. Um, and then I managed to get the pick, so I was like the number four. The In the team, I was a reserve uh, went to Islamabad in uh, Pakistan and okay. um, yeah, that was a bit of a surreal experience yeah. i 'd been, been there the year before for the world junior championships two thousand and four was also in islamabad and yeah we had um yeah we had uh, armored vehicles like t- our bus was like a police escort uh, yeah. and and uh, yeah guys with guns outside our rooms mm. in our hotel it was it was quite crazy but then yeah my first match I, actually the first match of the tournament i uh i got the call up because i guess we we're resting a player already and uh, <laughs> i played farhan mabub uh okay
0: pakistan number from pakistan
1: three. in pakistan yeah. and farhan mabub was yeah an unbelievable player i remember yeah. him as a, a junior he played Rami Ashur in the quarterfinals and it was i remember watching it going this squash is a unbelievable the way that they were playing uh yeah and i played him and i i lost pre- I, I went uh it was nine scoring back then and i was okay. went five nil up in the first and I ended up losing that game nine five and i think it was nine five nine one nine love or something like that right,
0: right.
1: so it was uh, it was a tough awakening at the start and uh, i didn't end up playing another game that event um Another match that event, but that first cap was uh, yeah it was a prime moment to be able to to play for Scotland and it was a, a really great experience, like being there and being in a part of the senior team and I think uh, I definitely used that for my first uh, Europeans, which was uh, the following May, and uh, I ended up being number four in the team, which is a playing spot in the Europeans. There's four-person playing, and then we had two reserves, so I had to play, I think it was four matches there, and uh, yeah, produced some good performances after that, afternoon. I think that helped having that experience of playing the, the world teams before that.
0: Definitely, yeah, it sounds like an amazing event. Uh, in Islamabad to play Pakistan in the first match, yeah. uh, that's great. I mean, those guys, uh, when I, I was in Seoul for several years, and uh, I got the Asian Games were there, so I got right. to see uh, Shahid Zaman, Mansoor Zaman, and uh, Amir Khan, I think it was. And all three of them were just amazing shot players. And so quick, like yeah. so fast, holy lord. No, I like don't. fast, like bu- like bullets into the corner. Like, uh, I don't know if, if uh, I don't remember uh, if he, if uh, uh, Meebog was that quick or not. But I think they all, they're very all very quite quick.
1: quick. Very quick, yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah, the, what was the, the, the team uniform at the time? Did, did you have to go with the kilt or did you? Uh... I
1: think so. The, the, you we, we brought in the kilt um, as for uh, like the dinner, the okay. last closing ceremony kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I can't quite remember if we had it for my first one. I think I think we did. I think I've always had the kilt, but definitely before I played, it was something that was brought in uh, by Paul Frank, who was our coach at the time, okay. uh, to try and bring that tradition of Scotland into it. And you you wear the kilt, and uh, if you didn't own a kilt, you got the the black kilt at the time, which is like the black sheep Ooh. kilt. So you okay. needed to make sure you had your own <laughs> had your own kilt with your own tartan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we uh, we always we always had that from now up from then on. We've always uh, worn the kilt to the closing ceremony. I think uh, I think that's great for uh, yeah. So everyone knows that it's like Scotland, and uh, we're uh, passionate about playing for for Scotland at the time. But uh, yeah, I can't remember if it was in uh, Pakistan or not.
0: Yeah, I uh, my wife is uh, from South Korea. We got uh, married in Nova Scotia, New Scotland, uh, uh, Canada. And several uh, her her family came to the wedding, and uh, several of my relatives wore uh, wore kilts to the wedding. So uh, oh. that that day, uh, not many of the the Koreans had seen that before. So it was quite no. <laughs> it was quite fun. Uh, yeah, it, it was, was like the Americans
1: at uh, my wedding. It was a uh, novelty having the the kilt there. Oh really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Now uh, I noticed back. Uh, I, I was looking through your Twitter uh, feed a little bit today, and I noticed back in. Uh, July, uh, you'd, you'd posted that uh, uh, you'd watched Tyson Fury fight. Mm. And uh, uh, oh obviously, uh, the, la- the ladies don't really appreciate the fight game as much as we do. <laughs> but uh, uh, um, I-, I had Emily Whitlock on, and she told me the whole uh, story behind uh, what's it called? Uh, Tyson Fury's brother was on it. Um, oh, Tommy Lovehouse or and- something? or. On the uh, Love Island, is it Love Island? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she she made re- Olivia made reference uh, to that, but I was just going to ask you: uh, Did you? Uh, it was the Fury fight against the guy, the Swedish guy, wasn't it?
1: Uh, was that the Otto Valin fight, probably?
0: Otto Val, yeah, yeah. The where he yeah. he got cut. Yes, that's yeah, right. yeah. It yeah. was.
1: Uh, he Didn't was look good him. there for
0: for for a bit. It looked like they might yeah. stop it
1: that they thought the fight could have been stopped if it was uh if it was someone else. But obviously Tyson Fury is worth a lot of money and uh, they wanted to try and keep the fight going and uh, I mean yeah. he's an unbelievable boxer. He was able to come through but yeah that was a bit ropey at the time.
0: Yeah, well I mean he just showed how tough he was. I mean uh, he got it was a bit of a I wouldn't say it was a lucky punch, but it was a it was a well it was a good punch by the Swede the young Swede. And then, Yeah it was uh, a
1: it was a definite definite punch and cut him and then that's that's part of boxing and I mean I think Tyson Fury showed in the the fight with the first fight with Wilder that uh, he can take a punch and come back during the twelfth round there.
0: Yeah, and then the last fight was uh, absolutely uh, amazing. I mean, he just he just dominated from start pretty much start to finish. I I don't personally, I don't think Wilder was you know the excuse about the uniform and all this stuff. That 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 that's a bunch of BS. But (laughs) I I, I still don't think he was one hundred percent. There was something a bit off because yeah. I, I was quite surprised i thought i thought i knew it would be a good good one but i didn't think uh fury would win it
1: boxers especially they want to try and find some kind of reason for why they lost whether it, like the amount of times that the boxers like fired their trainer after they've lost like it must be the trainer's fault rather than uh, taking responsibility for uh, the defeat themselves and trying to be better. They have to have some kind of reason, I guess, mentally to try and, because uh, boxing is the type of sport where you need to be, have a hundred percent belief and you're going in there to oh, yeah. knock someone out. So yeah, I remember watching that, the latest fight with Wilder. We w- it was at the the world teams and uh, yeah, Greg and I was watching it in the, the room. It was good.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, it's quite interesting what you're saying. I mean, squash players, uh, tennis players you know when you play continuously in tournaments and golfers you know you experience loss even at the highest level but at the highest level uh, in boxing uh, they don't i mean a lot the of guys don't lose yeah i mean floyd mayweather has never lost right uh, um, so apart from when he was an
1: amateur yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so i mean again uh, I, I guess you know if you've never lost and you're knocking everybody out uh, and you're not used to dealing with it. I guess you know you can kind of understand maybe where you know excuses might come into play. But yeah, I thought that was a kind of a, a bad, a bad way to go out. I mean, Fury, Fury definitely uh, uh, fought a great, great fight there.
1: Yeah, he is. And uh, if boxing uh, does come back in, it's got made some very interesting fights in the heavyweight division that could uh, could come up if there's uh, a third match between those two or with Joshua. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love, love my boxing. <laughs> I'm always following yeah, uh, sure. the boxing. So, uh, so, yeah, something I also want to try and come back on. Yeah, definitely,
0: come. for sure. Yeah, let's hope uh, they come. I, I think it'll be Wilder and uh, Fury, and then Joshua will fight uh, the winner of that. Mm-hmm. I be think
1: good... boxing is a type of sport where uh, it needs the medical services. So as long as the the medical services have been used for uh, this um, the virus, then it's going to be tough to get boxing back, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely. What about a Scott uh, any legendary Scottish uh heavyweights out there uh from the days um, of York? Um <laughs>
1: heavyweights not so much. We've got a really good fighter at the moment, Josh Taylor, who uh, Okay, yeah he won uh he won gold in the Glasgow twenty fourteen Commonwealth Games when we were there. Uh and then turned professional and uh he's yeah, world champion uh and yeah, probably one of the one of the best fighters in the world at the moment but definitely the best at his weight and uh, he's from Edinburgh actually okay um, yeah so he's he's a really good fighter at the moment and uh, he's chasing one of the, some of the other fighters we've had down the years so there'll always be the lighter category we don't have too many okay but, uh, we did have uh, a heavyweight boxer who from Inverness where I'm from who actually got knocked out by Anthony Joshua when Joshua was on the way up but okay uh, in general, no. It's uh, it's mainly the lighter weights that uh, the Scots kind of uh, campaign at.
0: Right. Well, uh, yeah. I hope we we do get to enjoy it sooner rather than later. But uh, that goes for uh, for the squash as well, uh, mm. uh, Alan. I just want to wish you and uh, Olivia all the best over the uh, over this next little period. Keep up the uh, the recovery with the rib. And uh, it was really really great chatting with you. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Thanks very much, Jay. Well, thanks to Alan for that. Really enjoyed that a lot, and uh, just want to wish him all the best with his recovery with the uh, the rib injury. Uh, he played through it last uh, year, as he said, but uh, as it turned out, a little fracture there. Yeah, I would not recommend crunches or ab work. Uh, I did there in in the podcast, and uh, probably not the best advice. I've not been known for my the quality of my uh, my training advice over the years, but uh, yeah, and that definitely sums it up right there. I'm no, just kidding, I, I kind of man. I manage my own. I had, to, I had put together a really good circuit kind of uh, based on one of Nick Matthews' uh, pyramid uh, training circuits the other day, and it really, uh, I felt great. A lot of that stuff, all the lunging and the deep uh, squats and things like that, uh, I can't really, I'm not capable of uh, holding those for very long because of a adductor and sort of a, a dodgy uh, hip but, uh, I was able to manage to put together something similar and it really, uh, really helped. It really burned, uh, the abs and, uh, got the cardio going, got the ticker going. So, uh, speaking of tickers, Alan's ticker is incredible. And I, I really like that discussion we had about, uh, you know, guys who, who, you know, tend to retrieve a lot and guys who play, play that type of game with, with a bit more fitness. It's not just all about that, obviously. And, uh, and you see a guy like uh, uh, like he mentioned, you know, Paul Cole, and, and he's uh, really taking it to another level. And I'm sure that that's what kind of uh, uh, Allen is looking to achieve. And I'm sure he has. Uh, you know, I've seen him play quite a few times, and uh, he definitely does have an offensive uh Part of his game, which is built on that uh, element of his game, which is the the fitness and the speed that he has around the court. So, really enjoyed uh, talking to to Alan Klein there. And uh, coming up, uh, we've got uh, I've got a whole bunch more in the works uh, this week. We've got Sean Dellier we've got Dean Brown. I'm really looking forward to this one of Squash Saturdays. He's one of the commentators. He's going to be coming on before the second installment of that, and we're going to talk. Uh, I know Dean a little bit from my squash uh, playing days back in Canada and he was one of the top players in the country back in the day I'm not I think he may have been top 10 in Canada and he's definitely a top junior when I was playing juniors and always one of the funniest guys uh, around and really nice fella Uh, always used to love bumping into him and we'll talk a bit about that uh, and squash Saturdays and how he got involved with that and the Rapport between him and Graham Riding was really good on the on the first uh, day of that on the first episode of that Squash Saturdays installment. So he'll be there and uh, hopefully going to have on uh, Sam Cornett, uh, wishing her all the best in retirement, and going to be talking to her later on this week. Uh, And much more. uh, Oh, Jesse Engelbrick as well from Squash Skills is going to be coming on. Looking forward to that. So, a lot uh, to look forward to here on the In Squash podcast. Everybody stay safe, stay inside, Uh, keep up the good fight with your squash. Uh, You know, keep your training going, keep your eye on the ball, and hopefully, we'll be back on court soon. Take care now. Goodbye.